Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, Dieter Kurtenbach is back. It's been, what, like two weeks since you've been on the podcast? I tried to, like, give you a little bit of time because I know you're moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough. And it's like, it's not even, it's maybe 10% done. Like, I, Oh, God. Let me, let me, let me, let me just give uh, a word of advice here. You think, oh, the slow move, right? That's... That would make sense. It's easier. It's it's less stressful. No, what you're really doing is you're taking a really stressful moment. You're not really mitigating that stressful moment of I have to move today. You're just adding it to a little bit of it every day in the lead up. It's a pain in the ass. Don't do it. Just just pick a day, get all your stuff in boxes and go and just rip the bandaid off. So I feel very strongly about hiring movers. Like yeah, we, is... we're, we're doing that. We have movers coming, yeah. but like just for the big pieces of furniture. But like there's also just stuff, right? And it's like, right. you got to pack up the stuff, and then you got to move it, and then you got to find a place for it in the new place. And so it's just like one, you know, one thing per day. We're also like this house that we got. It, it's funny, like the guy who owned it before us was very clearly like a do-it-yourselfer. So like that's great, you know, I, I get it. Uh, we should all aspire to that level. But he was like a do-it 95% yourselfer, and then oh, leaving no. the five, like... And not, nothing is, like, completely fucked, but, like, there's stuff, like, you guys half-painted the outside windows. Like, w- like either don't paint the windows, or, like, pick pick a side here. Or, like, um, you know, so, like, he, he obviously built these kitchen cabinets, and they're fine. They're, they're really nice kitchen cabinets. But, like, he didn't paint the inside, and there's glass paneling. And it's, like, so we're just going to look at the plates and some unfinished wood. So it's, like, you have to paint that shit. And it just adds up. And now I'm starting to figure out why uh, I was a big fan of renting. Yeah, yeah. Someone who does still rent and like Laura and I have like looked into like buying recently. I just look at this and I'm like, all right, this is so easy. Why am why am I considering doing this? You know what I mean? mean? Yeah, unless unless you're someone who feels really strongly about like having home equity and stuff and and getting into the marketplace, which I'm personally not, but it's not totally my call. Uh, It's like it's a super stressful thing. I guess it will be rewarding at some point or I'll just die stressed i would probably guess the latter yeah it's a good bet that's a good yeah even even if the former like the the two things are like not mutually exclusive you will probably just die stressed like regardless of what happens with the house my shoulders haven't unclenched in 20 years i I feel like this isn't gonna (laughs) this isn't gonna change that paradigm uh today on the podcast we're gonna talk about the oklahoma city thunder who have been really really good recently uh we're gonna talk about uh anthony davis and that whole weird like will he or won't he sit out situation we're gonna talk about buyout guys uh in the uh, i guess throughout the entire nba realistically mm-hmm. guys like wayne ellington markeith morris is interesting given that he just got the second opinion we're gonna talk about the fact that you were in the weird kevin durant news conference where he decided to call out ethan uh ethan yeah. strauss that was fun and then fine i don't know we'll just kind of jump around you know we might talk about boston uh, we'll see we'll see where it goes we're sponsored by hymns and by bet online so go uh to both of those places and uh either start placing bets on bet online or uh go fix your men's health wellness with uh with hymns what else is going on though have you been uh do you want to talk about the thunder right away do you want to talk about movies what where where do we want to jump in here dude i don't even know what movies are anymore at this juncture uh <laughs> which sucks because like usually actually that's not true what did i watch i rewatched uh being john malkovich i don't know why it was just on the television and that's a weird movie um but other than that movie. i don't it's a good movie 
it's a good movie. I can understand why it was a big deal then. It, it, it seems deliberately funky now, like kind of corny in a way. But alas, it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't know. Uh, so different, different era. Uh, no, like let, let's let's talk. Let's talk about let's get into this thunder thing, because I, I, I got to I just got to get this off my chest. Yep. Uh, let's go on ahead and talk about the Thunder. Give, give me the takes. I, I just want takes. I'm shorting them. I, like, listen, I, I still think that the Thunder are the second best team in the Western Conference, but right now there is a very, there's a cresting wave of Thunder optimism, right? And I just, I don't see it. I, I understand it, but I don't see it because I'm looking here at just the raw data. Over the last 20 games, Paul George has been MVP worthy. No question about it. I mean, just absolutely outrageous how good he has been. Um, 32 points per game. He's making 46% of his shots, 45 from three on five three-pointers per game. So, like, you add that up, he's not doing very well from two. So this is a lot of three-point variance, in my opinion, from Paul George. On top of the fact that Russell Westbrook, yes, he has this triple-double streak going, and so obviously he's impacting the game in a positive sense that, you know, in rebounds and assists, maybe mostly assists. But the dude's still shooting. You know, In the last 20 games, he's shooting 40% from the field and 25% from three, and he's still shooting four three-pointers per game. So like, I, I just have a really hard time. And that's it. Like After that, it's Dennis Schroeder, Jeremy Grant, Stephen Adams is awesome on the defensive end. Don't get me wrong, but like I, I'm not, I'm not fearing him offensively. Uh, even though I think he has taken a step forward in that regard. Terrence Ferguson and Abdel Nader, like this is a two-man team right now. Adams, if you include one side of the court, and I just don't think that Paul George can keep this up. And I do think that, given what we've seen all year, that this is going to be the norm for Russell Westbrook. So why would I start buying in? on a nine and one streak and really pushing, why would I buy in on them beating the Warriors, who by the way are doing the damn same thing, uh, when they're when they're just riding hot? I, I just I don't see it. I do think that we should insert Paul George higher into the MVP conversation. Uh, I, I do think that the Thunder are a really good defensive team and that could, you know, make you know, in a theoretical series with the Warriors, that could get them to six games perhaps. But Paul George, uh, these numbers are totally predicated on this crazy three-point streak he's on. And while he's always been a good three-point shooter, he's not this good. So I'm shorting the thunder. I think there's a lot of that that is fair. Um, I've always been someone who, at the start of the season, said I thought the Thunder were the second-best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, I, I still believe that and i've seen nothing throughout the course of the season that makes me disbelieve that uh in fact i've seen a lot that makes me believe in that more like paul george does that have more to do with the fact that every other team in the western conference besides the warriors kind of sucks and the thunder are kind of what you expected or is it because Um, it is expectations versus reality so like people talk about like the five teams in the or the four teams in the Eastern Conference, right? right? That are just so much better than every other team in the West other than the Warriors. Right. I don't think I agree with that. Like, I think That's the fair. Thunder are very much in that conversation. Like, yes. the Thunder are as good as the Raptors, in my opinion. They're as good as okay. um, the Celtics. They're better than okay. the Celtics, I think, to be honest. Um, what about the Bucks? What about the Sixers? The Bucks, I would put a level ahead because I. Mm-hmm. This is my new thing. Is I think we've been underrating the Bucks. All Absolutely, one thousand percent as the number one like, Bucks stand. Yeah, 
I just want to straight up point that out. Like you look at their net rating, their net rating is almost 10 right now. That is an unbelievable number that's, to have that's Warriors level shit. in the season. Yeah, like that is like really, really good Warriors teams of the last few years. Heat teams with LeBron and mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Like that that's the standard that the Bucks have played at so far this season. Um, they're going to win pretty darn close to 60 games this year and they're going to have just a number that is astronomical in terms of net rating, especially now that they've gotten Nikola Mirotic who really, really helps them out. So we look at all of what the thunder have done. And I think that they absolutely deserve to be placed in the conversation as a top five team in the league this season. And I know that like, do you try, like I trust them a little bit more than Denver because I think that they have at least like, I think Paul George is better than Nikola Jokic. Uh, yeah. I would still probably take Russ for a playoff series uh, ahead of Nikola Jokic, too. And then okay. uh, kind of what we expected all season with the Nuggets defensively has really happened over the course of the last like month and a half or so. They've fallen off defensively pretty substantially. They're down to 14th overall in defensive rating. Uh, I want to say that over the last month, they're in the 20s somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see that. I trust Oklahoma City a little bit more than them just because I trust the star power. I trust the offensive creation in the half court come playoff time. And I trust the defense to a bigger extent. Now, No, no question. No question. I'm with you 100% on that. So if, if that's the case, I mean... So you're selling the Thunder. What what are you selling them off I'm selling of? them as a top-tier team. So you don't think they're a top-five team in the NBA? Right. I think that there's a very distinct cutoff. Warriors, Bucks, Sixers, Raptors, cut. Right there. That's that's my stance. So I would say that it's Warriors. Like, if I was tiering the NBA, right, mm-hmm. I would say Let's Warriors, put out some power rankings right now. Hashtag power rankings. Uh, I would say Warriors by themselves. Okay. I would say Bucks by themselves. Okay. And then I would say the Sixers, the Thunder, mm. the Raptors, probably the Celtics, and probably the Nuggets in there as well. I'll give you another. I'll give you another layer to this onion. I'm taking the Blazers over the Nuggets, and I think that the Blazers are closer to the Thunder than the Thunder are close to the Warriors. Okay. Say that again. Wait. Okay. So we're talking about kind of this middle tier, right? Right. This, this, this secondary greatness. So Warriors, Bucks, we can all agree on one, two. Separation point doesn't really matter. Next best team, I think we can all agree, is now they're going to be the Sixers. After Maybe. that, you. I think probably, but their depth is a real like concern. That's fair. But they've, they've helped that out in, theoretically, helped that out. Uh, and they've been usually pretty active on the buyout market. We'll see. But I, I, depth's a concern, no doubt. But man. I, I, I have to separate them a little bit from the Raptors, who I am high on. I'm still high on the Raptors. Um, and I think that the Raptors are better than the Thunder. I think my point is mostly if you're going to go whatever team it is outside of that top five, right? If we all agree on the top five and we can swap around a couple of spots, that sixth team, I think it's the Blazers and not so the Nuggets. So you're, you're throwing the Thunder in that fifth spot then? Yeah, I think we can all agree on Thunder in the fifth spot. And I think that the Blazers, I mean, the Celtics have to get involved in here, but like... They're a mess, and right now, I just have a hard time buying into them. Um, if we're just going Western Conference, let's say. I mean, more. Le- the, the take here is I think that we're not talking about the Blazers enough, and while we're really pumping up the Thunder because they're on this nice 9-1 and run here, um, you know, Blazers haven't been great as of late, but I do think that in a playoff series, I wouldn't be shocked if they could beat the damn Thunder in a playoff series. 
It's a good question. I mean, the Blazers obviously have those playoff demons. They've lost nine straight playoff games, if I remember correctly. Yeah, not great. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not lying. But history is not necessarily a uh, predictor of future success or failure. Definitely true. Uh, they're just the same team, though. Like Yusuf Nurkic right. is a little bit better. Uh, Rodney Hood gives them like a slightly better dimension off of the bench than what they've had. Uh, that's. It's kind of the same team, though, I guess, is where I'm no, at. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I wish that they would have done something bold at the deadline um, had they gone in, just just gone in on this year, right? Because otherwise they're treading water. Now, the fact that the team is, is probably going to be sold here in the near future from the Paul Allen Trust, and there's a whole mess with that. So I, I can understand the mitigating circumstances, but... I don't know. You just break it down. I, I just don't see a lot of separation in the Western Conference between like two and six. The Jazz, the Rockets, the Blazers, the Thunder, and the Nuggets. And maybe the Thunder are the class of that. I think we can actually agree that the Thunder are the class of that. But I, I don't think that they're closer to that top, those top-tier teams than they are to that you know kind of middling glut between two and five. They, they just seem more in sync with those teams than they do with the top-level teams, and certainly the Warriors. I think that my take right now is that Utah finishes like in the top three of the conference. Okay, and that's uh, based and that's based on them just kind of figuring it out and Donovan Mitchell deciding that he wanted to show up for the year. So I think they figured it out to an extent. Uh, I think that I would feel a lot more comfortable if they would have traded for Mike Conley, and I think that that is something <laughs> they probably should have done. Yes. But I think that they have figured things out. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, part of this too is that you know we talked about this earlier in the season. They had this super road heavy early slate, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think everyone kind of took that as oh, this team has taken a step back when that really wasn't the case. Rudy no. Gobert has taken a pretty big step forward. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is the same guy he was last season. He's going to keep, I think, maybe improving as the season goes on. He was really rough to start the year, man. He was I mean, really was, bad to start the year. It was real painful. Yeah, he was really rough. Uh, Joe Ingles, I think, is better than what he's been in the past. Joe is still just an awesome player. Uh, I think numerically, you probably can't really make that case necessarily. I think he's down shooting threes. Uh, he's down rebounding. But I still just look at the way that he runs the offense from time to yeah. time. And it's so incredibly important. Um, Jay Crowder looks a little bit more comfortable than what he was last year. <laughs> I don't think Jake Crowder's ever going to look comfortable, even though that, that system is perfectly suited for him in theory. Derek Favors, I think, is going to be really good for them yeah. down the stretch. And Dante Exum, I hope, can uh, get some things together. I know he has the ankle injury right now, but I think he does give them some upside going forward. I li- Listen, I think that the Jazz are a good team. I, I, I don't think that... <sighs> I don't think that they're any better than the Rockets. I don't think they're any better than the Blazers. I don't think that they're. I don't think they're any better than the Thunder, and I don't think they're any better than the Nuggets. I think that they're right where they're at now. Maybe you know, listen. The standings don't necessarily have to reflect that. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, they can they can go on a nice little run here. But uh, the fact that they're still playing Jay Crowder as many minutes as they play Jay Crowder and nothing seems to be developing there is concerning, right? And the fact that Ricky Rubio is maybe reverting a bit is concerning. Like they're going to have to go into full playoff mode where Donovan Mitchell just tries to James Harden them over the finish line every game pretty soon, sooner than most teams for sure. Uh, Warriors don't even turn on playoff mode until the second or third round. I mean, I, maybe, I think maybe the Jazz I'm, are going to have to do it in early March. Maybe I'm a little bit off on this because I guess they, I don't know that they catch the nuggets necessarily, but no. you know, but I, I, I think let's it's say a good fourth. Time to... I think the Jazz finish fourth in the That's West. Fine. 
That's fine. I, yeah. I, I think I'm in on the Blazers. I honestly do. Uh, I, I think that maybe they, they've been right in the middle of it all year. Um, Dame is incredible. You know, Nurkic, as you said, has been so, you know, I think he's been actually really markedly better than he was last year. Um, they, they got they got a little something there. And, and maybe it's just because no one's talking about them or taking them seriously for good reason. As you mentioned earlier, they don't win in the playoffs, so why pay attention to them now? But uh, I don't know. I, just, I, I feel like now's a good time. If we're doing a stock report here, now's a good time to, to consider diversifying your portfolio with some Portland Trailblazers stock because there's a lot of, there's a lot of hot buys on the street. And uh, Blazers, that, that price has stayed stable for a while. Yeah. Let's go back to the Thunder. Sorry. The, re- the reason I'm going to go back <laughs> sell to that stock, maybe sell it now, is that again I just keep coming back to the fact that they have two elite players and they have a terrific defense, can and we, that's that's a, a good sample. We, it's a great it's a great thing. I'm not I'm not debating the latter. That defense is playoff worthy. I mean that, that that's a that's a series winning playoff. That's a playoff series winning defense. Uh, easy for me to say. Are we certain that Russ is of the great caliber at the moment? I think he's a top 12 player in the league. Man, he is so inefficient right now, though. Yeah. And it's been I, that way all year. It's so, been that way all year. I mean, is there any is there any chance that that changes? Because unless it changes, I, I just have a hard time taking him seriously as somebody who's not going to shoot his team out of a game. So I certainly agree that he has been inefficient all season uh that's just kind of the fact of the matter right uh you know i think you mentioned it earlier even in this nine game triple double streak he's 39 percent from the field 26 percent from three uh 64 from the line and he's still shooting all the same shots which is my big concern like his game hasn't changed at all he's doing the same stuff five turnovers a game like this is still a thing they've won eight of nine which is great um But I I do think that there is something to just volume, being able to do things on the volume that Russ does. Now, I'm not saying like, look, volume plus efficiency is always going to be better than just volume, right? But just being somebody who can do shit on the floor, like being somebody who can make shit happen on a basketball floor, which... Regardless of the finishing, Russ can do. Like, Russ is just a havoc creator on the basketball field. Exactly. That stuff helps. Like, I know. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that, but top 12 in the NBA. I mean, eh. this is. It's it's a bit of a Rorschach test for the modern game, right? Because I saw somebody at Sports Illustrated point out, like, why isn't he being included in the MVP discussions? And it's like, because he's nowhere near it. Russ? No, Russ is nowhere near MVP. nor should he be because i'm arguing that he's not a top 12 player in the nba right now but uh i mean like realistically so top 12 guys in the nba uh kawhi leonard joel Embiid. this um, is a weird way to start this list i would have i'm just going through conferences in like divisions joel Embiid. some sort of a statement here kawhi leonard i would have kyrie irving ahead of russ at this stage um Giannis. um well let's just go let's just go let's just start george damian lillard Yes. James Harden, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Anthony so that's, Davis. That's nine. That's 10. Damian Lillard. Yes. 11. Bradley, Bradley Beal. I would not have Beal ahead of Russ. I think that is that is the Ooh. line for me where like I, I look Bradley. at it. I think Bradley Beal is a great basketball player. He is genuinely a top 20 player in the league now. I think that is a real thing. But there's something to just being able to create havoc, I think, in a way that Bradley Beal just He's not athletic enough to create as many plays as Russell Westbrook. And I know that he 
finishes his opportunities at a higher clip than what Russell Westbrook does. But like, there is just something to being able to able be to Russ. Create the first place. Yeah, I get it. And being able to create plays in the first place. Like the fact that Oklahoma City has the 14th best offensive rating right now, mm-hmm. I would bet in large part is because, and I'm going to look this up very quickly, uh, before making my well, undeniably. Well, okay, how about this then? Ridiculous. How about this then? Is, is Blake Griffin a better, better option right now than Russ? It's a good question. I think that's a very fair question. What about Kemba Walker? I would not have Kemba ahead of Russ either. Okay. Maybe he is a top 12. So maybe, so part maybe, of this is, so yeah, this, this, is. Is, this is kind of what I thought would happen. So I mean, then we have to include Oklahoma defense, City. which is a whole other thing. So Oklahoma City this season uh, is playing at the second fastest pace in the NBA. They have the yep. fifth most offensive transition possessions in the NBA. Without Russ, that doesn't happen. His incredible offensive or incredible defensive rebounding ability helps them get out on the break faster. It helps them get yeah. earlier offense faster, which is any person will tell you who does this. that's basic basketball. getting offense early is better than getting offense after letting a team set up in the half court um, that, that stuff really helps oklahoma city it helps not them have a top imp- half offense i'm not arguing he's not an impactful player certainly he, his impact i think transcends his abilities almost right now if that makes any right. sense and, and like, like He's a hyper impactful player. I just don't know if that impact is always a positive. And maybe it is like, maybe it's top 15 versus top 12 or something like that. Like maybe it's somewhere in that. And then we have to have a debate on where, you know, elite qualifies and all this crap. I'm just saying, I'm just saying he's not in that pantheon that he's certainly become accustomed to over the last few years, at least in my book, which of course is the only book that matters. Right. And and like, look, he's definitely not what he was. I think there's no doubt. Like Russell Westbrook, the last three seasons was, or, you know, what the last two seasons before this one was the first year he was the MVP of the league. Right. Mm -hmm. The second year he averaged triple double this year. Again, he's averaging a triple double, like averaging a triple double is hard. I I don't, I don't disagree with that at the same time, you know, numbers, numbers can lie. The dude shooting 41% and 24% on the year. Like that's notable. He's he's only shooting 65% on free throws. It's extraordinarily notable. And I think dude can't shoot. I think it's why he's dropped from being like a top six or seven player in the league to a top 15 player in the league. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. But like, Fair enough on that. He also is averaging more assists per game than he ever has. Uh, yes. He is. But how much uh, of that is just Paul George knocking down contested three-pointers in dudes' faces because he takes 11, 12 a game? It's probably part that. It's probably That definitely plays a role. Having Paul George shooting the lights out plays a role in upping his assist numbers. But I, I just think that, I guess my point is we often talk about volume as if it's this bad thing and sometimes it is a bad thing and i'm not saying that russ can't excise some of the terrible shit he does on the basketball floor like the terrible decisions he makes on the basketball floor right i also just believe that there is something inherently valuable about being able to do things on an nba floor at volume like russ can and i think that we often underrate that ability to do things at volume like russ can I, th- I think that that's e- extremely fair. I-, I just think that we have an expectation of what Russ is in our minds. And you say, oh, he's averaging a triple-double. And there's a presumption that things are the same. And they are very much not the same. And given the, sort of the, the overall roster breakdown of... Maybe this is just a, a, a backdoor way to argue that Paul George is the MVP. But looking at the roster breakdown of the Thunder and Russ's regression... Um, well, I don't know if it's a regression, but certainly it is. You know, his no, slide. I mean, like we said, we just talked about the fact that 
Russell Westbrook has gone from being like a top seven player down to like a top fifteen ish yeah. player, right? But it's regression a, it's a small implies regression. that it's going it's going towards something that was expected. It's a semantical argument, nevertheless. Uh, True. Like Russ is down, right? The the rest of the Thunder solid, but nothing special. I mean, adding Dennis Schroeder was the best move they made in the past year, and it's been fine. I think everyone is getting what they expected out of that ordeal. Like the difference is Paul George is just gone completely nuclear and that's right. Totally awesome to watch. But man, like I'll, I'll say that, this, Jeremy Grant ex- has made a leap to Jeremy Grant is better than he was. Okay. Yes. Abs- that's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. There wasn't a very high bar to begin with and he, he's been really good as of late as well. But like yeah. no one's going into a playoff series, like scheming up how to stop Jeremy Grant. No, they're absolutely not. But I think it's worth saying, hey, he's been a really good like no, you're right. dude you're who right does the dirty work. He started to knock down threes. He's hitting 37% on three attempts per game from three. Like th- He has just far enough diversified his game to where he is now a legitimate starter in the NBA. I'm, just, I'm, I'm generally curious. When you look at teams like Houston, I would argue Utah, um, and a team like the Thunder— I'm generally curious what happens when transition opportunities are significantly diminished because teams start giving a shit about transition defense because it's the end of the year and playoff spots are on the line. And then especially in the playoffs and when their half court stuff is so predictable and so in the Thunder's case, I would argue reliant on one guy to be totally fucking awesome in terms of in that being Paul George. I just basically have to buy into Paul George. Yeah, man. Like, and listen, I, I'm all in on Paul George in the regular season, but it's a different beast when teams start actually coming up with individual defensive game plans to stop a team over a seven game series. Like, you know it's, what, a, man? it's a totally. I'm going to say this about like Paul George. He has been pretty good in the playoffs. Like, he's been. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think but, really, really good in the playoffs. But is he? I mean, even with those, even with those Pacers teams, did he ever have to carry this kind of a load? I mean, the what was it? It was the 2017 year where they got swept out by the Cavs team, right? But played it worked out great, really competitive. But it played they played four really competitive games. And Paul George, that was not Paul George's fault that they got eliminated. No, no, no. I'm not, and I'm not gonna. And even and if they get eliminated because Paul George doesn't continue on this, you know, nuclear conquest that he's on, that's not going to be his fault either. Paul, like, Paul George in that playoff series averaged 28, 9, and 7 in two steals a game while playing like perimeter defense on LeBron mm-hmm. James part of the time, not all the time. They had Boyan right. on him a little bit. They had like some different guys on him from time to time. They did but like, he was very, very, very good in that series and like went no toe-to-toe with LeBron James and just didn't have the horses to back him up. I, I just don't think he has the horses to back him up this year either. Now, he doesn't have to go up against LeBron. Well, maybe he does. We'll find out. But uh, but he, you know uh, what though? He has he has Russ, and he has like Russ can be a second guy to take the pressure off and create something in the half court. At he least he definitely can't create. But the question is, who's he creating for? It seems a very linear connection between the two. It's Russ penetrates, he dishes, and the entire idea is to get the ball to either PG immediately or to get it off of one extra pass from the corner. And it's like teams can just over-rotate that stuff in the playoffs and and they can live with the results of, you know, Terrence Ferguson having to shoot a corner three or something. And maybe they get burned on that, but it would require a lot of discipline that honestly I haven't seen and a little bit of craftiness that I haven't seen from the Thunder offense as of yet. And the defense, as much as we like, you know, sort of the pieces that comprise it, and and it's 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 a definitely going to be a top half defense in the playoffs in the Western Conference for sure probably top two but man I, I don't know if yeah. it's 
Like I might I buy Utah's defense more than I buy Oklahoma City's, but they're definitely a top three defense in the NBA. Yeah. Okay. I, again, maybe then this isn't an issue of they're not very close to two. They're a lot closer to four. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not ready to buy. I'm not ready to go all in on the Thunder defense being a lockdown unit for the playoffs that's going to you know bring the margins back a little bit closer towards them so that they don't have to be this crazy offensively to win games I just I, I I'm just not ready to get there yet well let's talk about Paul George real quick where would you have Paul George in the MVP voting right now third and I would prefer to have him second over Harden but so Giannis Harden and yeah Paul George I think that's right for what yeah. it's worth I think that's what I would have I would love if Paul George kept this up so that we don't have to continue like uh, talking about the box scores versus reality thing holy shit with James Harden like th- that to the next level so um yeah I want Giannis to win it uh I think that that would be a good reward for again a Bucks team that as you know you and I agree is not getting talked up enough as an elite team in the NBA uh the you know the Harden thing has worn on me big time and PG is playing it on both ends. I mean, two way two way play should mean something, and Giannis certainly provides it. I don't think anyone's doing a better job. I mean, Paul George could be the defensive player of the year, uh, and you know, put up hyper elite offensive numbers. If if that isn't in the top three, I, I I don't know what we're really doing here. So yeah, I mean, like James Harden has to do what he's doing right now. Right, um, right. I agree on that. I agree on that. He doesn't. They don't really have much of a choice. That doesn't mean that I have to like it. Yeah, I mean, like he is. 30 straight games over 30, I believe it is, right? And how many of those did he shoot like 27% from the field? I don't think it's as many as It's not a lot, but there have been some. The fact that there have been some is telling. Part of the fact that he does that occasion... Well, here, you said 27 from the field? Yeah. I actually don't think it's any now that I'm looking at it. Uh, 30.4, I think, is his lowest during the stretch. Um, which isn't great. Like he has multiple games in the thirties, but part of it is he takes 15 threes a game during the stretch too. And you're just inherently going to shoot less from three than you are from two. Um, he's doing it pretty efficiently. He's getting to the line a ton. It's not an aesthetically pleasing style of basketball, but he's averaged 41, 7.7 and 7.5 over the last 30 games, which is just absolutely one of the best individual 30 game runs in like what, no question. basketball history probably yeah, no question so i, I just like I, I look at what he's doing and i'm just like okay like i can't i i can't have beef with this this is fucking unbelievable you know he's a 60 so long as you don't have to watch it <laughs> he's a 63 percent true shooting percentage in these 30 games it's incredible yeah. it's absolutely incredible 39 is, assist he has, rate he has versus, a 63 percent or is it 62 percent true shooting on the year yeah like 63 or uh, 39 on 39 percent usage 13 turnover rate it's just bizarre it's totally it's, bizarre. it's not bizarre this is this is what they did two years ago it just wasn't this good it's yeah but it's yeah i was gonna say that's the key it's not like this like this he, is and, he, and, that, and that's fucking this unbelievable is the, this is the logical paradigm that I'm having to fight because two years ago when Russ won the MVP over him, I, I thought that was ludicrous because you were looking for box score stats instead of sort of the, the, the deeper metrics. And I thought Harden was far more valuable in that year. This is the same formula that they used when D'Antoni came in. They didn't have a point guard and he just put Harden at point guard. And said, do whatever the hell you want. We're just going to do basic, you know, dribble drive penetration stuff, you know, drive and kick and and everything's going to go through you. Uh, He's again, he's at 39 percent usage on the year. It's not no one's even close to that. Not even close. I'm looking at it right now. Like Kevin Durant's at 30. Stephen Curry's at 30. 
I mean, he's 10 points higher than these guys. And yeah. so there has to be some credit given there. That said, it, well, the craziest man, thing here too, is that they've gone 21 and nine during that stretch. And they were starting games with like, here's, here's a starting lineup. He made Kenneth Farid a player again, James Harden, Austin Rivers, PJ Tucker, Gary Clark, Eric Gordon, and then off the bench, Gerald Green, James Nunnally, Nene, and Marquise Chris. Yeah, we're talking like straight up lottery team, if not for James Harden. Right. So, like, I'm just looking at this. Like, we've got James Harden, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon, Austin Rivers, Kenneth Fareed, Gerald Green, has James been awesome Ennis, as of late, by the way. Gary Clark. Yeah, like, look. Fareed's like a double double machine as of late. Sure. Like, that's great. But. But yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that Kenneth Farid is like, it's a testament to Harden. Listen, I, I fully am. I fully understand how awesome Harden's been. I just don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pure, it's a pure aesthetical argument here. If you want to look at just the numbers, that's fine. But if you have to watch the games, you're like, oh, Jesus, it's so rote. And, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I don't like it for basketball. And so I don't want to reward it. That's, that's my, that's my argument. It's not a good argument. That's just, that's my argument. Yeah, I think that Harden has to be number two for MVP, but I would have Paul George at number three. Uh, yeah. Paul George has been unbelievable leading their half-court offense to even respectability, and he's probably the defensive player of the year right now, maybe second behind Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's really hard to say defensive player of the year right now. Yeah, it's, it's close. It's probably those two. I'm still waiting for Draymond to you know do something. Um, though he's been a lot better as of late, I, I just don't think he's going to get the the run necessary. And the Warriors' defense hasn't been suffocating; they're just still outscoring people. So, yeah, it's it's kind of hard for me to have Dre in I, that yeah, mix. Can't blame you. Can't blame you. That um, said, when it flash, like when Dre does those flashes, you're like, oh man, there is no better defender in the NBA because of his versatility and what he's able to do. But it's just been flashes this year, whereas in years past, it was every possession and, and uh, like Miles injuries Turner should be up there. Milwaukee Milwaukee's weird in the fact that like they don't really have like a crazy standout defender in my opinion other than Giannis who would would you separate out of I mean you can't really give it to Giannis because I don't think Giannis is is of that ilk I mean I I would say he's second team all defense Giannis Bledsoe's been better defensively this year he's been good um Brogdon's been good defensively uh Middleton is solid defensively they just have a lot a lot of really good two Mike Budenholzer win defensive coach of the year (laughs) <laughs> Mike Budenholzer is probably going to win coach of the year. So that, yeah, is, that one would hope that is certainly a, uh, a winner. Let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> let, let's sorry. That was a very small thing that that really snowballed. And that's on if, me. If you had to bet on the second best team in the West, who would you say when it's all said and done? Like what, what, what is the metric here? The team that goes to the Western conference finals and loses to the Warriors Lakers. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll bet against LeBron James when LeBron James fails. Okay, that's fair. I can I can somewhat get behind that. It sh- Listen, I can fully understand. But, one, I'll tell you one bet that I do love. I do like Thunder at sixteen to one to win the finals right now. Yeah, that's not bad. I just it's a can't, good number. I can't bet against the Warriors. No, like, no, no. I'm not same. betting against. You shouldn't bet. Is you know what I'm saying on on NBA Finals uh, odds? But if you got to, like, who is a team that can actually? I think who would give the Warriors the best run in the Western Conference? Probably the Thunder. Who do I think will actually be in the Western Conference Finals with the Warriors? Again, I'm not betting against LeBron James. Do your segue. 
I would bet on betonline.ag. It is just the best place to place bets. Uh, it's another huge week across the NBA, given that it's All-Star Week. There's only one place to get in on all this action. Betonline.ag. It's sports. It's a casino. It's a virtual casino. You name it. Uh, they are CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. Use that promo code CLNS50 for that 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50. Uh, you know, you can go uh, use your mobile phone to sign up today at betonline.ag. Try in-game live betting where you can participate with all of the action on every play. Again, that promo code is CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. The thing that I am personally most looking forward to this week is uh, the NBA dunk contest. It is just going to be super fun. We've got, yes, young players in their crazy dunkers. We got John Collins, Miles Bridges, Dennis Smith, Hamadou Diallo. The odds here, John Collins is plus 120, uh, Miles Bridges plus 200, Dennis Smith plus 300, Hamadou Diallo plus 500. Uh, I think that Collins number is fucking crazy. There is no way he should be the favorite. There is no way he should be the favorite. Do they know something? I don't know. Uh, I I don't think so. (laughs) Um, my, My bet on this, I will bet on this. I will bet on Hamadou Diallo plus 500 five to one okay. is good odds for Diallo. The first time I saw Hamadou Diallo, he was like a sophomore right before his junior year, um, getting ready for a game against, uh, I want to say someone on the AAU circuit or whatever. He's, uh, you know, playing for his AAU team. And I see him jump for the first time and he tries to throw down this ridiculous left-handed windmill, uh, where he jumps from his baseline. He jumps from like 13 feet away from the basket probably and almost puts it down he just missed it and he's like fucking 16 at the time and i'm just like what who is this is this guy an alien like it was the craziest thing i've ever seen on a miss dunk from a kid that was like 16 years old it was oh, bananas man. okay he, that's fine and you can get him at five to one you can get him at five to one um dennis smith is a good dunker too Dennis Smith. Very good dunker. Um, really good haven't dunker. Haven't we seen Dennis Smith? I haven't watched a dunk contest in probably 12 years. Um, yeah, he was in it last year. Uh, yeah. He had a really, really, really good opening dunk last year, and then uh, I think he ended up getting eliminated in the first round. Oh, man. Sounds like his career. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Miles Bridges, plus 200. He's the hometown favorite. He's going to have the crowd behind him. And he also has the nastiest uh, AAU dunk I've ever seen. If you go and Google Miles Bridges AAU Bahamas dunk, uh, okay. he baptized some poor Bahamian soul that tried to leap with him with just the most disgusting tomahawk. Like Jason Tatum I'm, I'm is gonna, sitting, he's sitting watch it right on now. the bench. He's sitting on the bench uh, and literally came out onto the court like probably 10 feet and then realized, oh, my God, there's an actual game happening. I can't come out on the court like this and like ran back to the court. But it was it is the most insane dunk I think I have seen uh, on the AAU circuit. Do you have this pulled up? I'm pulling it up right now. I accidentally typed in Miles Turner and that did not provide what I was looking for. Hey, shout out Miles Turner, potential defensive player of the year. Miles Turner. Okay. Miles Bridges, Nike, EYBL, Bahamas dunk. Is this what I want? Yes. Okay. It's an 18-second long clip. I've clip, clicked on it. Drives to the baseline. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Was he and Monk, were him and Monk on the same AAU team? No. So that's like a special like EYBL like all-star oh. team that they put together. Oh, my God. That kid's dead. 
Yeah, he like he totally baptized him. Go to betonline.ag, uh, use that promo code CLNS50, uh, and you'll get that 50% sign-up bonus. It just, just a ridiculous dunk. What do you think of this whole Anthony Davis situation, by the way? I hate how the NBA is basically punishing a team for doing what a lot of other teams have done like where's chan where you know where's chandler parsons right now like there's a bunch of guys who just got exiled i mean zach randolph got exiled straight up exiled from the sacramento kings and then was traded mid-season and like no one no one find the sacramento kings anything but now the pelicans want to basically do right by anthony davis even though anthony davis probably doesn't see it that way and certainly do right by their asset which is essentially what davis has created that that is what he is to them now and he that by his own volition he has said i want to be traded okay well now we can only view you as a trade asset and not as part of something we're building here um and they can't protect their asset as they best see fit uh without the NBA coming in, I think that's just bullshit. It's it's really, it's selective enforcement. And while I understand where the NBA is coming from, if you are going to, if you are going to police that rule, you have to police it across the board. And there are just countless examples around the NBA where that rule has just not been enforced at all. Uh, and just because it's a high profile player doesn't mean that, you know, you should, you, you shouldn't have the ability to kind of do whatever you want with them. At least in that scenario. So I agree with you. Um, I'm with you on this wholeheartedly. I think it's ridiculous that they have to play Anthony Davis right now. Um, I think it's ridiculous that there is selective enforcement on this stuff. Like you said, I think that um, Carmelo Anthony was forced to sit down and be away from the team. Like I thought that Carmelo Anthony got cut. It turned out he was just hanging out in New York while on the Rockets payroll. Like, right. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Carmelo Anthony's a very big name. My assumption is that like these players agreed to this in some way, maybe um, like maybe there was yeah, a maybe. discussion between the team. I don't know. Um, I don't know. You, know, Do you think Mello really agreed to it? Yeah. And like Chandler Parsons, I think he would rather be playing. It seems exactly. like, That's um, but like I get where the NBA is coming from too. If you, here's my take on all of this. So I think that the Pelicans are trying to like thread this needle right now between all right, how can we try and make this work to where we can sit him out without having to pay him or having to pay the league a hundred grand every time? Because mm-hmm. to be honest, if I was New Orleans, I'd and break they were his saying, toes. No, I wouldn't break his toes. I would just pay a hundred grand. They have twenty five games left. Um, so you'd pay two point five million to You think that the Benson family is gonna pay two point five million oh, no. for this? I don't think they will, but I would if I was them. I would protect my asset. I agree with that. I agree with that. But um especially when it's all We'll get into this maybe a little bit later. Like this is all tax write-off stuff, like legitimately. So, it, you know, I don't really like. Oh, he got fined. Like, great. He doesn't have to pay as much in taxes this year. Um, yeah, they shouldn't. But again, maybe they're hoping that he tweaks something just a little bit, and then they can ride that wave. But the if fact you, that they have to be thinking that is really ridiculous. If it, the fact that they have to be thinking it is like totally fucking bananas to me it's not bananas this this happens all the time where like basically the law like, creates a bigger problem than it's actually fixing or in theory they, fixing. they have the 39th pick all that they would have to do they could sell the 39th pick for three million dollars next year very easily three yes. and a half million dollars next year um they would make back what they lose on anthony davis you could maybe do like three and a half million in a future second from someone else to make sure you don't actually like full-on lose an asset but we right. see teams buy picks all the time you That's could make thought. up the money by selling selling your second round pick this year it's just plus plus it's that, not as if they can't ask for every second round pick in existence for anthony davis they'll be able to make right, it up exactly right 
like you're gonna you can just say hey we have to pay two and a half million dollars to keep anthony davis on the sidelines we're um, gonna need two second round picks like you could right. you could ask for 24 to, second round picks and no one's yeah. gonna stop you we have to sell our second round pick now because of this so just yeah. give us your second round picks and no one's good like no one trading for anthony davis is gonna be like no we can't can't get rid of these or we have to hold on to these second round picks we have to uh no if i'm be like no it's anthony davis if i'm getting the team anthony trainer davis. If I'm the team trainer, which means I'm also the New Orleans Saints team trainer, probably. Uh, I just go to Anthony Davis. I say, let me see your pinky finger. And I just bend it back a little bit. Doesn't have to break, Don't. but just enough just no. enough to make it, just enough to sprain it a little bit. No. Be like, oh, is that you, finger kind of hurts? We, like, yeah, it kind of does hurt. The Game Theory Podcast does not endorse. This is levels. This is levels here. I'm playing chess. Everyone else is playing chess. Does not endorse Dieter Kurtenbach playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am publicly publicly disavowing this. Here, here's this here's, another, here's another idea. thing you can do, right? You go into his house late at night. You switch out his pillows. Then he wakes up. He's got a little, oh, man, my neck's a little weird. Well, I, I guess he can't play for the next 25 games. This is a bad idea. Do not do this. This is terrible. Uh, please do not listen to Dieter Kurtenbach. Um, <laughs> except for on this next point, which is except for on this next fire. point. Yes. Um, just saying, switch out a Sealy Tempur-Pedic with something else, just like a regular down pillow. That, that's going to mess up your neck. Yeah, you know, like Bill Simmons had a lot of thoughts on this yesterday. Uh, okay. And like Did Bill he? got like a lot of shit for it. I didn't understand why Bill got shit for this. What? What um, is? What, are, we're talking about the Davis thing still? Yeah. So oh, he said sorry, the situation is ludicrous. It's been a... It's been a fun NBA season on the court and an absolute train wreck off the court. If you yes. sign a massive deal to be someone's max player, here's an idea. Show up every night and be their best player. What are you doing, AD? AD now wants to play after snaking his franchise on a Monday to launch a news cycle, undermining his own trade value. Having his agents repeatedly leak stuff to the media and trying to force a trade to a specific team with a year and a half left on his deal. Fans and media have become numb to NBA players doing whatever the F they want. Davis could have waited until this summer to do this. Instead, he imploded the situation for leverage. It didn't work, and now he's pretending to be the victim. I want to play, like in quotes, and he says, this is so lame. I'm actually with Bill. I have zero disagreement on that. On this a lot. Yeah. And like, I'm someone who tends to come things from like, yeah, like I'm someone who like comes at this from a player's rights perspective. Most of the time, like I actually do think that people don't treat players like people often enough. Valid. But at the end of the day, I think Bill is just like right on this. We, it's 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 a good segue here. Like we need to do better at understanding that there is a medium between, you know, uh, shut up and dribble and what Anthony Davis is doing right now. Right. this This is the thing where it's all part of the soap opera, right? Like, what the hell are we doing for a living? Right. This is what this is what we talk about. This is what we do. And that doesn't that doesn't mean we're special. But the fact that there is a there's the ability for us to do this for a living speaks to the fact that this is much larger than a bunch of guys on the court dribbling. And in many ways, that is used in a very positive light. And, you know, it gives it gives people that probably would not have had a similar voice uh, a massive impact on society and culture. And it, but let's not forget what we're doing here. This is a sport ball game and it's a billion dollar industry. I mean, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And yes, the players uh, have done really well by themselves. They are all, you know, star player Inc. And, you know, making tens of millions of dollars a year, if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year in some cases. All of that is great. Everyone's rooting for it. But at the same time, you have to remember the base of the soap opera 
is the fact that the NBA gets billions of dollars for its television rights, and you have to be part of the show. And I ultimately think that this show is getting kind of trashy lately when we look at things out off the court. Uh, the on-the-court product, I would argue, has never been better in, in some ways. Uh, we can get into that debate another time because certainly you know, old heads are going to have differing opinions. But the soap opera and the pettiness and all of the Kardashianization of this off the court has really be gotten out of control to a certain extent. And um, But the reason yeah, it's gotten out of control is because there's appetite for it being out of control. Like we want to know yes. what's happening with team building. Team building mm-hmm. is certainly Everything. what I've made my career on. Um, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend otherwise no one, uh, no one wants to read about the charlotte hornets sorry like it, it's about stars and it's about big uh, markets and see like it's, honestly I, I do want to read about the charlotte hornets um, not enough there's not enough of you sam and i tell you this all the time it's accurate but like it's it's just like like i want to read as much as i can about kemba walker's free agency you know what i mean like that is an important story it's not as important as kevin durant like but no one's but no one's taught but no one's talking about how can how can Kemba Walker get another star to come to Charlotte so that they can create a media empire nonsense. Just wait until post deadline, Dieter, <laughs> or post All Star break. I'm sorry. They had the other star there. His name was Dwight Howard. Oh God, Jesus! What are you doing? I'm just being a dick. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, do you know what I'm in a, uh, I'm in Dwight Howard has? Does he have a full head of hair? Is this yeah. where your transition's going? Well, I was going to say he has a problem with gas, and one way to help the problem with gas is hymns. <laughs> Go to hymns for hymns.com. 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. The thing is that when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. If that hairline slowly starts to move backwards, if you have any bald spots, how are you going to feel a year from now? Your solution is for hymns.com. It's a one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Um, you know, look. The whole idea here is that Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. These are well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Uh, these are no waiting rooms, no awkward doctor visits. You save hours by going to forhims.com. You just answer a few quick questions. Your doctor will review and will prescribe you what you need. Uh, and products are shipped directly to your door. Uh, my listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash game theory. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash game theory. G-A-M-E-T-H-E ory forhamscom slash game theory uh let's talk about the kevin durant of everything that you just mentioned uh, yeah in regard a good to segue there. media um you were in the press conference where kevin decided mm-hmm. to talk about the knicks without really being asked about the knicks sort of but not really the whole thing is so goddamn meta yeah um like he wasn't asked about christophs porzingis and then like brought up christophs uh well let, let's 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 run it back yeah just just like give me the give me everything that you feel on this yeah because my i mean i'm a i'm a character in this play too um so third two thursdays ago right the knicks make a uh a, a very bold decision to trade chris Tapp's porzingis therefore clearing two uh salary spaces and immediately as everyone is trying to figure out what the fuck the knicks are doing um the chatter starts right and there was a initial presumption that oh well now they actually you know they've always you know, the, the knicks and kevin durant have been linked all year uh 
who knows where that link initially came from, but it certainly didn't go away. And now they actually have the money to not just get him in free agency, something they didn't have before they traded Porzingis with uh, the salary dumps that they included. But now they have the opportunity to get another player. And in fact, that other player uh, very quickly turned out that their number one target was Kyrie Irving, who seemed uh, (laughs) disgruntled. Now, Kyrie on Friday, if I remember correctly, it was either Friday or Saturday following the trade, was asked about the trade and the rumors, again, substantiated or not, they were out there and someone asked him about them because it's about him. And uh, he goes, and, you know, this is a guy who, let's not forget, had said, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I, you know, I'm the leader of this team, all this stuff. Then he goes, ask me on July 1, which was a bit of a change and only uh, lended more credence to the Kyrie to the Knicks along with Kevin Durant conversation. All the meanwhile, that conversation is working its way into NBA front offices and amongst the agent class, and it's no longer speculation anymore. There are a bunch of people around the NBA who feel certain, certain with a capital C, that Kevin Durant and his team, led by Rich Kleiman, have made promises to the New York Knicks that they will get, quote-unquote, a fair shake at this thing, which is a bit of a wink-wink situation from the from these people's perspective that's interesting to me i'm pretty sure that should be interesting to everybody else because kevin durant is probably going to go down as the greatest scorer in nba history when it's all said and done if he can play long enough and the warriors are unquestionably the best dynasty uh of the last 15 years and and could be the greatest dynasty in modern nba history if kevin durant does stick around so all that conversation is happening. Kyrie Irving is throwing gas on the fire. And my first thought is, we got to get a quote from Kevin on this. And I know what that quote's going to be. It's going to be, shut the fuck up. Uh, I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I'm just trying to hoop and enjoy this season. Because Kevin, unlike Kyrie, had been saying all year, ask me on July 1, in effect. And so we kind of stopped asking him about it in the local media because, again, we knew what the answer was. But the paradigm had changed pretty significantly with all of this conversation and people who I trust to know this stuff with pretty good clairvoyance, if not uh, excellent sourcing, saying that this was a lock, that it was done. And that vibe, to be honest, had kind of been around the Warriors all year, but you, you kind of mitigate it, you compartmentalize it. I know his teammates have done a good job in compartmentalizing it because you just don't know. And Kevin's a super inscrutable guy and he keeps things close to the vest. So when that kind of stuff leaks out, um, it certainly, you know, perks your ears up. So we, the entire goal was, hey, let, let's see what Kevin's up to. But on Thursday night, he's not at his locker. And then at Friday, he's requested for media and he isn't there, not available, which is kind of strange. Uh, just kind of strange. Then Saturday, it's like, oh, okay, Saturday, we'll, we'll talk at the locker. We'll get this out of the way. We'll call it a day. Because Kevin's always at his locker. He's usually one of the last guys to leave the locker room. He sits there and he just kind of holds court with whoever wants to roll by. And he's a very thoughtful, insightful guy. And he'll tell you whatever he thinks about whatever pretty much all the time, both on and off the record. And he's not there again on Saturday. And on Saturday, I go, here's something that's interesting. And I, I noted it perhaps a bit harder than Anthony Slater, but he noted it as well, which is Kevin has been unavailable for the last three days, right as all of this other shit is happening. Uh, and this is super peculiar because honestly, since he's gotten to the Warriors, he's always been arguably the easiest star of the four or five to get of all of Golden State. And that is a super accessible organization. Uh, that is something they preach from the top down. So then I don't think they had a practice that Sunday. Monday rolls around uh, and it's it, it, we, we I think we ask for him and he brushes off media relations and then uh, couldn't find you know, it, it turned out to be a whole week 
seven days where Durant had, in, in some cases, been actively ducking an obvious question that we just kind of had to get out of the way. And it became a thing onto itself. So what was first just a note then turns into something much larger because Ethan Strauss of The Athletic uh, writes a very well, um, well-reasoned, well uh, well-sourced article basically saying Kevin's silence is not a coincidence. Uh, this hey, is shout the, out the athletic. It's just such a great company. It's a <laughs> terrific he writes, organization. Well, he wrote, he wrote a wonderful article that I thought, uh, summarized these things in a very real, you know, in a very real and tangible manner, uh, basically stating like this, this silence is not a coincidence. Uh, there is a, an underlying belief that, that Kevin's gone and that this Nick stuff is part of that situation. And, uh, it's all just an inevitability. Uh, he he put down a lot of the stuff that a lot of people have been hearing, and so yeah, Kevin Kevin didn't like that article very much. He didn't like my asking where he was on Sunday. He spent most or on Saturday. He spent most of his Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, it seemed uh, liking all the negative tweets regarding that one. Whatever doesn't matter to me one bit. He can spend his day as he sees fit. Uh, and then he and then he he the I think it was the day or two after the Ethan one. He uh, he just he went off, and you've seen it by now. So yeah, I mean, what did you, <laughs> what was, what was, what did you make of all of that? I guess is the question. Like, what I is think, your takeaway from all of that? I think Kevin's getting exactly what he wants out of this situation, which is that he can create a narrative that the local media is trying to drive him out of the marketplace. So I guess what makes you say that? The fact that he's too smart to keep saying things that are this disingenuous. He is extremely. He's very savvy. I think is the way I would put it. He knows okay. what that's, he's. That's doing a much better word. Yeah, he knows exactly. He, what he's doing when he does this stuff, right? Like it's amazing looking through Kevin's likes. They literally are all likes about how terrible your article was. It is incredible. What a move. What a move from Kevin. Which is, and it's a good move because right, like I have no recourse in that. His, his last like before you wrote an article, KD's free agency drama has reached a tipping point. No one can pretend as if everything is normal around the dubs. You wrote that on February 3rd. Yes. His last like before February 3rd on Twitter came October 5th, 2018. Yeah. What a move. It was a good power move. What a move. I love it. But like, but like, that's the thing. Like the day before that, I had written that the Knicks were the number one threat to the Warriors dynasty. No one noticed. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's fine. Like it got a decent amount of reads and it's fine. I, I, I said what I had to say on that. I'm just not going to pretend in the era of clutch sports doing what they just did. And with all of the conversation around the league being that rich Kleiman's kind of pulling a similar thing, um, that that's not happening. And I'm not going to pretend that Kevin Durant leaving isn't the biggest fucking story of the year or him or the possibility of him leaving isn't the biggest fucking story of the year. Like, we all just kind of forgot that that's a possibility because Kevin asked us not to. I'm kind of done playing that game. And if he wants to be angry about that, he can be angry about that. So, yeah, I think that you and Ethan writing something on it is very interesting because it's been out there the whole year. Like, you and this is not the first time you and I have talked about this on the podcast. Like, you and I have talked about this the whole year on the podcast, kind of. It's the only story. Like, like I can't, I honestly, it's like, the can't only remember. fucking story. I can't remember the last time that we talked about the Warriors where we didn't talk about this. Right. The uh, we talk the Warriors are viewed as and fairly as this unassailable just juggernaut. They were not viewed as a super team before Kevin Durant showed up. And, and fair. 
right? They were kind of this darling thing until <laughs> until Draymond Green started kicking dudes. Um, it was, and then Kevin Durant shows up, and now they are the Death Star, the supervillains, the mortal enemy of the people. And Kevin Durant can leave and put the Warriors in a tricky spot. They'd still be good, don't get me wrong, but they're not the Warriors, capital T, capital W there. They're not, they're not the super team. They're not the league ruiners, all this stuff. And Durant has given no reassurances to anyone that he's coming back. No, zero. And right now, all of the evidence, if you want to call it that, is pointing in one direction. And it's towards leaving. I'm not even going to say where. I mean, it's New York, but like it's leaving. That is a huge fucking deal. If the Warriors dictate everything in the NBA today, that is in large part because Kevin Durant is there. And if Kevin Durant is not there, the entire league changes in a extremely tangible way immediately. This is on par with LeBron James's de- the decision, not necessarily because the players are on par, but because of the stakeholder, the, the team that he's leaving and the team that he can go to and all of this stuff. And it's like, we're just going to just sweep that under the rug and bring it up on July 1? Fuck no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. But for Kevin to then go into this press conference with a gruff. Now, mind you, again, the question, the question that he answered, or he didn't even get asked it because then the story became something larger, which is Kevin Durant's ducking the media regarding Knicks questions as opposed to Kevin Durant said this about the Knicks. Um, he goes in. Hot and bothered, fine. He gets whatever he wanted to get off his chest. And then his argument is, I don't like beat writers making stuff up, you know, this and that. Like, we have a relationship. And it's like, fuck, like, you should have come and talked to me about it. That was the entire fucking point. The entire fucking point of the beef, if you will, was that Kevin Durant wasn't talking to us. And listen, that's not a high and mighty, we're the media and you need to talk to us stuff. It was merely an observation that this is very different as a lot of other different stuff is happening outside of this that seems to pertain or at least people are saying pertains to kevin durant and then you want to come in and do this like you should have played this by the book thing you have to it takes two to tango in that regard and he straight up wasn't so he says he has nothing to do with the knicks i call bullshit and i think that that's just where we're going to be for the rest of the year because there are a lot of other people that are talking for him and saying very definitive things and i'm not one of those people um and nor is ethan uh he should take care of you know he should take care of the situation in house because there's stuff that has people to believe that a decision has been made around the NBA and if that's not the case that's not anything i said and it's not anything that ethan said and it's not anything that he said publicly so that's on him uh, my job is to report and comment and cut through bullshit and perhaps i you know to most people that might you know be inferred as i'm adding to bullshit and fair enough we can have that conversation a different day but I, I just think he's getting exactly what he wants out of this, which is he's creating a narrative that the Bay Area media is, is is on his jock and bothering him every day. He said, you guys come in here every day and ask us about free agency. And I'll give Monty Poole, the NBC Bay Area reporter, like infinite credit, which he already had in my book. But uh, he deserves he deserves to be lauded for this. He goes, no, we haven't in so, in so many terms. He tries to be the voice of reason. Like, we haven't asked you about this. And Kevin then just went off on some projectile tangent. And it's like, this is not how somebody who has nothing to hide acts, right? This is the worst interrogation you could ever have. <laughs> I thought Ethan put it perfectly. Why is Kevin acting as if his hands are tied when he is the only one in control of the situation? Kevin owns a multimedia company that conspicuously is moving to New York right now. Um, 
No, I'm, like I'm sure he, it's just because the rent is cheap there. He owns a media company. If he wanted to say something about this and just wanted to bypass you guys. This was my prerogative. You can literally time. just like bring, you can use your media company to release a YouTube video. Hey, I have, I have nothing to do, you know, like I have nothing mm-hmm. to do with this. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. bizarre, you know, and again, like this comes from me who wants to, like, I'm someone who hates the way the media acts a lot of the time. Like Fair I enough. don't, I actively don't enjoy like, you know, the pestery nature of stuff and yeah. I get frustrated by dumb questions and press conferences and you like, and I both, I laugh I've... when, you know, I get like a, sh- when people like, you know, just like kind of give a goofy look to a media person, um, including myself, we're, like that's happened like, before. The thing is like we're but, actors in the show too, right? Like the media, yeah, but, is that, the media has like, a role to play. I guess that like. I, I, like I just look at them and I'm like, hey, you know, you guys are, you guys are the experts here. You know, I do what I can to know basketball. Like I've certainly tried to do what I can in order to learn what I need to to do the job in a strong manner. Uh, yeah. You know, most of the time, I think that like I, you know, people tell me that I know the game pretty well. Um, yeah. Like I've. I've actively tried to do that though. And I think a lot of media people don't actively try to do that. And I think it's led to a tenuous relationship with that's fair. the way that athletes interact with media, because I don't think that a lot of media people respect the work that like has to be put in to learn the game in a lot of ways. Yeah. But at the same token too, I just think that, Athletes also should communicate in some way with their fans, with whoever, and the best way for them to do that oftentimes is through the media or it's through the literal multimedia platform that you own. And you could easily put out a YouTube video, disseminate it through your 17 million million Twitter followers and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to be answering any questions about this. Going dark is just not a play in my Especially opinion. for a guy who never goes dark. Right. Straight um, up had never gone dark before that. Yeah. Um, if you're um if you're DeMarcus Cousins and you have for eight years now made it known that you don't like dealing with the media and like yeah. that is your least favorite thing to do, then it plays a little bit better. And ultimately at some point the fans want to know what the fuck is going on. Well yeah, like And I, you gotta say something to this effect. Like I don't care about doing the dance. To be honest, I do not care. I like if you I don't usually want to talk don't, to the but media, in this, in this situation, not, I did. Like if you do not want to talk to the media, don't talk to the media. But then you have to somehow answer the questions that they are doing. If you're an athlete in today's day and age, you have a million avenues to do that. So right, just do it. No problem with not talking to the media, but you gotta, you got you have to say something on this matter. And well, it's it's not that you have to; it's just smart. Like it's, you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like it's no, that's that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, no, yeah, you don't like have I, to do anything, but you should. Yeah, like you're not forced to do this. It's just that's good point. you are relinquishing what you, the ability you have to control your own narrative if you don't do it. That's but that's the whole thing. I think that there's now this this media this narrative that's been created after all of this is Kevin Durant you know, doesn't owe you in the media anything. And it's like, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. I mean, he's contractually obligated to talk to us, but he doesn't have to say shit. Like he can be the world's worst quote. That's fine. He doesn't owe us anything, but I don't owe Kevin Durant anything either. And that's, I think where the paradigm has, that's, that's my least favorite part about all of this, not getting chastised by Durant or all this stuff or, Oh, Kevin doesn't like me. Like, I don't care about that. I don't owe Kevin Durant anything. I'm not going to pretend as if, 
that was a normal circumstance and that shit isn't, you know, people aren't talking behind the scenes and people don't like that. I guess they can just live in ignorance all they want. I don't know. Do we care to talk about buyout guys? Wayne Ellington signed with the Pistons. Um, cool. Yeah. Like he decided to go with playing time instead of uh, a, con- a contender, which I think is yeah. a reasonable decision on his part. Um, the Pacers? Someone signed with the Pacers. Yes. Wes Matthews signed with the Pacers. Oh, right. Wes Matthews and Ellington. They're like the same person in my mind. Yeah. Like two, two guys that could have really helped. Uh, in like a, lot a of true bona fide contender. I actually don't. I mean, like the Pacers are, are actually doing a pretty good job of holding themselves up, given not having Victor Oladipo. I, I, I like that move. I mean, I don't think it puts them in the class of the best in the East anymore, which is a conversation we could have had if Oladipo was still around and they were playing like this. But um, yeah, you know. Yep, Robin Lopez. Um, he's interesting. Markeith Morris. Uh, you know, I guess the Morris Lakers. Is like definitely. He's, where, where do you think Lakers or Rockets? Those seem to be the two big options. Yeah, I think those are two really good choices. Ennis Cantor. Is Ennis Cantor going to get signed anywhere? I would think someone signs him just because he is a good bench scorer. Yeah. Who do you think that team is? Who that is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. A good question. Um, Not going to be the Warriors. Could the Wizards just like use him? Maybe. Like, it's not a terrible idea to me. Um, Frank Kaminsky. I actually think Frank Kaminsky, like, sneaky. Might Wait a minute. The Alderman got bought out? He hasn't yet, but oh. uh, it's a potential thing. Alderman Kaminsky. Man. Okay. Yeah, you know, Frank Kaminsky, if you just want a guy to stand 16 feet away from the hoop, set a pick, and then turn around and knock down a shot most Spate style, he's your man. Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers is probably a thing, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad that you yawned right in the middle of it. <laughs> Um, Freudian yawn. Marching Gortat? Nah, man. Gortat's washed. Uh, Greg Monroe. Like, the, we have all nope. these bigs. Like, um, maybe Shelvin Mack. I mean, Ben. who did Ben McLemore sign with? Has he? Uh, yeah. Or no, he's not signing with the Raptors. Apparently, there was a report, but he is not signing with the Raptors. <laughs> Pat McCaw was too dominant on that 14th man on the roster spot. <laughs> oh, no. Um... That's another guy who's not who didn't play his cards right this year. Yeah, he didn't really do that all that well. Um, I think I'm rooting for Michael yeah, Beasley. I, can Michael Beasley help someone? Oh dear, I mean, couldn't help the Lakers, and they were begging for help. So, I'd like yeah. to think, no. Go to the go to the Rockets, bees. You were great with the Rockets. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, not a great buyout market. I mean, maybe somebody that we don't foresee uh, will will hit it, and you know, the paradigm will change a little bit, but. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I do think that you know, the Warriors are obviously looking at the buyout market in a pretty serious manner. Uh, they kept a roster spot open all year, and I'm not sure if they want to go wing or center, but uh, Lopez to the Warriors uh, has a little bit of heat behind it and has for a while. I think that's his number one choice. The question is if the Warriors uh, get in line and decide that they want to they add a center, given how Cousins has been kind of ragdolled uh, against really athletic centers uh, as of recent, uh, which is to be expected given his injury. I'm not sure Robin Lopez does any better, but you know, just having a little bit of depth uh, could be helpful because Looney and, and Cousins aren't necessarily providing much force out there. Um, anything you like? Yeah, Karis LeVert's back. Like? Karis LeVert's playing again. That's awesome because Karis LeVert was really awesome before he got injured, and it was really sad when he got injured, and uh, he avoided the worst, and now he's playing again, and the Nets are like 500 and good and interesting, and Karis LeVert uh, was having a breakout year, and I'm just happy. I, I hope he can get back to that form because it was really fun to watch 
watch that come to pass. And man, I, I'm I'm just going to stay on this Nets bandwagon. And Carousel Vert's a big part of that bandwagon. Thing that I like, I'm getting back into movies again. Okay, what have you seen? A long, uh, long, long hiatus early in the season. Movies. It really did. That's a really good point. It might have just like totally turned me off of movies for a while. Um, How bad it was. So I have I've watched third. I'm starting to keep track of movies that I watch. That's been one of my goals this year. I so like, what what is that what does that entail? Is that like so an Excel I, I have a yeah I have like a note sheet where I give like a letter grade to every movie that I've seen. I've seen thirty movies this year. Wow. Um, so I've done pretty well. It's pretty good. Um, best movie I've seen is A Star Is Born. Like, no question, I think. Really? That's a no question? Yeah, I think it's like 100% the best movie I've seen this year. I, th- I think so, too, but I haven't I haven't kept up as much. Uh, yeah. I haven't watched Roma yet. Have you watched Roma? I have not watched Roma. That's this week. People swear by that one. Roma, Vice, and Can You Ever Forgive Me is this week, for sure. Um, Vice is t- I know. I still have not seen it. I watched Bad Times at the El Royale this weekend. How is that? It was good. It was really good. It was long. It was... Okay. Really yeah, I'm looking forward though. to that. I got a flight coming up here soon. I, I, yeah. I would uh, that seems like a winner on on the flight because I saw the trailer and I'm like, yeah, I want to see that, and I just never got around to it and didn't really do well at the box office. So uh, I figured that there was sort of a correlation between one and two, but I don't know. It did, it did seem interesting. Certainly no, original. It's, it's good. It's an, um, is it an original movie? Like, is it? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it's very Tarantino-y. Like, it's oh, okay. it's like basically it's like knockoff pulp pulp fiction kind of e okay but it's it's good like it's for an imitation of that it's very good okay good to know um the i watched the favorite last night how is the favorite uh it was good not it wasn't an immediate praise because it was not immediate praise no some people who see it are just all about the favorite yes um not quite there olivia coleman it's worth watching for olivia coleman like that's it Olivia Coleman okay. was fucking amazing. Um, I saw Widows finally. I okay. thought that was kind of overrated. You've been, it, you've been killing it lately. Yeah. I saw Green Book. Um, yeah, I heard don't. Green Book. I, I will say this. Green Book is like fine. It's nothing, just nothing not an really, Oscar movie. Like, yeah, nothing tells the story of, you know, the racially segregated South and the plight of black men much. No, like it's, a, it's for a sure movie, a, a movie like a, about white guy. It is for sure a white savior movie. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of over those. Yeah. Um, it's like look at this breezy, one man who was decent. It's a breezy two hours. Like it's, okay. you know, there are funny moments. Um, Mahershal is really good, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just fine. Velvet. Have I talked, I don't know if I talked about velvet buzzsaw in the podcast yet, but I, I did. Velvet okay. Buzzsaw I watched, Bel- I did see velvet buzzsaw. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I finished it, which is a challenge these days. Um, I thought Hall was really good. He was, yeah. Um, um, so I, I, I liked I liked the world building of the art world. I thought that, that yes, was really they did a nice job. That, I, I hope it's accurate because I have no idea. Um, I thought it blended the satirical uh, ideal with the world building and with okay. uh, the horror genre, the satire genre, and the horror I, genre. That's maybe really where well my me. that's maybe where my beef was. There was a lot going on, and ultimately, I didn't think that the acting carried it well enough to mi- mix together those in what seemed to be very separate segments of film. Mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, I also just liked the idea of like art being important. Um, yeah. Okay. And or expensive. Like, one or the other. 
Well, generally, like there, there's also just like the feeling of, you know, art is so commodified now and the people who like commodify art and like we can talk about this with basketball and like what I do. Right. Yeah. Um, like I essentially am the people that Velvet Buzzsaw is like talking against. Right. Snobs. And yeah. So, well, not even snobs, but like people who commodify the game uh, almost away from the artist or ah, like the art away from the artist or the game away from the athlete. Right. Um, so like I. I just thought it was an interesting perspective on that that I really enjoyed. Um, and then What's the last favorite? scene is amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought, like the thing I, that rolls over the credits is amazing. No, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and I won't give it away, but uh, I did think it got kind of really corny at the end. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. It got like super corny. And like, I'm like, if it was like this the entire way, that would have been interesting, right? Or if it had been building towards this horror thing. But I wasn't sure what the fuck the movie was about for the first hour, other than like <laughs> this art. And it, and it's like, are you sure this is a horror? And it's certainly not a comedy. Um, and I think my bigger beef was sort of the main actress in all of it, and Jillian Hall's on and off love interest in all of it was like not compelling at all in her yeah. role. Yeah, yeah, she was. I had never seen her. She's a British actress. I know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I had never seen her. She was fine, I thought. I I, th- I thought that it really took away from the overall film, in my opinion. A little bit. I can I can buy that. Um, it's, uh, and Malkovich, out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> Zawe Ashton, I guess yeah, is her name. Not, yeah, she not, was not the not standout a good of role. that movie. Not a, not a good role. I mean, is what it is. It, if the entire point was for her to be this, like conflicted but powerful and power hungry and all yeah like it being this complex character all i got was that she was really sad all the time yeah um i think that's about all i got man i'm tired it's been a long day <laughs> sorry I, I, I had to uh i had to just get all of that off my chest i feel better now that i got all that off my chest sam yeah i don't blame you jesus christ what a fucking mess this is let's uh play the jazz night by the way buy your jazz stock now because if they beat the warriors tonight they're going to be the hot topic coming out of the all-star game Let's uh let's get out of here. Thank God. Tune in next time to the Game Theory Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe on <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Android. We'll be back later this week. You got um, Cole I coming? I think we're going to talk about like yeah, if Zion Williamson is like the best, like one of the best assets in the NBA right now. Love that idea. Um, Love that idea. Knicks have lost what seventeen straight? Yeah. So wonder what they're it, trying though. to do. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, shout out Mario Hazonia for just like destroying Marquise Chris last night, by the way. It's a fucking AAU Bahamas dunk. Yeah, it was. Until that's going to be our new, that's our new standard, AAU Bahamas dunk. Um, until next time, though, we'll talk soon. Bye.